pause when the clock has started. Hi, my name is Hudson, and this is episode 98 of 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. That was for you, Hudson. <laughs> Thank you very much, and welcome to 20 Minutes That you know, you're just not going to get back. And as you must uh, know by now, I was off last week because of, well, Hudson and his brother Nolan, uh, who you're going to hear next uh, episode. I was off because my grandsons were down here visiting for some fun time with my executive producer and myself. Yeah, I say grandsons. I'm old. You know that, right? We had a great time doing a couple of the uh, theme parks and did some crafting projects things, playing baseball in the park. It was actually more like they hit the ball than I chased after it, but it was fun and that's why I was off. Okay, now, and here's some more news for you. The granddaughters will be here next week, so we'll be doing pretty much the same thing except for that baseball thing. So you know what that means, no podcast next Friday. After you finish up this one, I'm going to give you a week off because uh, you deserve it. You're welcome. And I will be back with episode 99 on July 29th. All right. But let's not waste any more of your 20 minutes that you have so graciously afforded to me. Uh, For openers, man, did I kick a beehive with the last episode. There seems to be a lot of you Donald Duck lovers out there. And a lot of you really hate Yosemite Sam and Marvin the Martian. Why? So I'm going to stick with my uh, rootin' tootin' buddy Yosemite Sam. You all are entitled to your opinions, as wrong as they may be. However, I will note that no one stood up and defended that little prehistoric destruction machine called Bam Bam. (laughs) So so there you go. All right, getting on with the show. A few weeks ago, I did an episode of One Minute Topics. I said 20 minute topics, but I totally shortchanged you. I think there were only actually eight or nine of them. So this episode, I'm going to make it up to you. A specific number of topics. None of this ambiguity, okay? (laughs) Okay. Let's do the math when I get out the old Casio 100 calculator here. Okay, so I've been yakking now for the clock, two minutes and 16 seconds. So I do that. Um, I need one minute for the end of the show. I'm going to need another minute and a half or so for the what did we learn? I got a commercial break. Okay, that leaves me. That leaves me with 14 and a half minutes, which means I can do. 12 one minute topics trust me my friends you will get exactly 12 although i've been talking for another few seconds here let's see i'm still okay i'm gonna stick with my 12 topic list let's see how good i am okay (laughs) all right number one do you know who betty boop is (laughs) if you do you're as old as i am it means you probably had your own grandkids visiting betty boop is a beloved 1930s cartoon character and her appearance and mannerisms were based on that of a singer and actress of the time called Helen Kay. She had a similar baby style, short uh, black curly hair, a round face. You know what I'm talking about. Well, Kane also popularized the phrase that became Betty Boop's catchphrase, boop, boop, a dupe. Oh, God, I hate that. But get this. Kane sued the creators of Betty Boop over the copyright infringement of her looks in 1932. But she lost after the defense revealed that Kane had stolen much of her act from baby Esther, who was an African-American singer who performed in Harlem. Nice try, Helen. There's a great scene in the original Vacation movie, and that's uh, the movie with Chevy Chase. I know you've seen it. Anyway, the Griswolds, they stop at the Grand Canyon, and uh, Chevy gets out, and they look over the rim. He nods his head for a couple of seconds. Then they get back in the car and leave. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we can clearly assume that the magnificence of the Grand Canyon isn't for everyone. But if you're interested, the Grand Canyon is a mile deep gorge in northern Arizona. Scientists estimate the canyon may have formed five to six million years ago when the Colorado River began to cut a channel through the layers of rock. The canyon measures over 270 miles long, up to 18 miles wide, and a mile deep, making it one of the deepest canyons in the world. The Grand Canyon contains some of the oldest exposed rock on Earth. The mile-high walls reveal a cross-section of the Earth's crust going back nearly 2 billion years. That's with the B, billion. A bunch of wasps. <laughs> That's a hard word. Wasps. Wasps. Oh, God. A bunch of wasps have... <laughs> I can't, why can't I say it? It's five letters. A bunch of wasps. <laughs> a bunch of wasps. <laughs> God. Anyway, they decided that my front porch is where they want to build a great big hive. <laughs> Fantastic. But what are some of the differences between wasps and bees? Well, bees make their nests from wax. Wasps' nests are made from paper-like material of chewed wood particles and their own saliva. <laughs> bees are not meat eaters and do not consume prey, insects, or spiders. Rather, they consume plant pollens and nectar from flowering plants. For most of the year, wasps are predators and feed on other anthropods and insects and people named Doug. But late in the summer and fall, they're more interested in collecting sweets and other carbohydrates. <laughs> I guess I just wasn't out there in the fall when they got me. Honeybees' stingers are barbed. So after stinging and flying away, the stinger is torn from the bee's abdomen and remains in the skin and the bee goes to the great hive in the sky. Wasps and bumblebees can pull their stingers out so they're able to sting more than once without injuring themselves. Take it from me, I know. Number four, growing up uh, during the space race age, we were always told that Tang was invented for the astronauts. Well, not quite. General Foods Corporation food scientist William A. Mitchell and chemist William Bruce James, they formulated and trademarked Tang in 1957. You know what Tang is. It's a powdery orange stuff. Well, Tang was available to the public beginning in 1959. In 1962, Mercury astronaut John Glenn conducted eating experiments in orbit. Tang was selected for the menu, and it was also used during some of the Gemini flights. The orange drink has been carried aboard numerous space shuttle missions. Although many soda companies had sent specially designed canned drinks into space with a crew of Shuttle 51, the crew actually preferred to use Tang as it could be mixed easily into their water containers. In 2013, former NASA astronaut Buzz Aldrin said, quote, Tang sucks. Oh, my. <laughs> you ever think about this one? What if the sun suddenly burned out? <laughs> I have. Does it keep you up at night? Well, if you have, you've got nothing to worry about, well, at least for the first eight minutes. However, it wouldn't be an instantaneous end to Earth as you might think. Light takes roughly eight minutes and 20 seconds to reach Earth from the sun. So if the sun disappeared, we'd still see it in the sky for another eight minutes. After that, though, Earth still wouldn't be completely snuffed out. Electricity would still work for a while, and with no sunlight, 
photosynthesis would stop, but that would only kill some of the plants. There are a lot of larger trees that can survive without it for decades. But within a few days, however, the temperatures would begin to drop and any humans that are left on the planet would soon die. <laughs> within two months, the ocean surface would freeze over, but it would take another thousand years for our seas to freeze solid. By then, however, the atmosphere would collapse, radiation would seep in, and the Earth would be an inhospitable wasteland drifting aimlessly through space. <laughs> oh, thanks for the good news, Doug. Here's random topic number six. We're moving right along, aren't we? When you think about it, the Mayflower, you know, the Pilgrims, Thanksgiving, it was actually one of the first original cruise ships. <laughs> Although there's no actual detailed description of the Mayflower, Marine archaeologists estimate that the square-rigged sailing ship weighed about 180 tons and measured 90 feet long and 25 feet wide. The Mayflower sailed with 102 passengers and 30 crew. It had two decks, one on top and one below. The living space for all 102 people was only about 58 feet by 24 feet. <laughs> Those are some cramped quarters. 402 years later, Royal Caribbean's Wonder of the Seas is the newest and largest cruise ship on the ocean. The cruise liner weighs an astonishing 236,857 tons. That's versus uh, Mayflower's 180. The Wonder of the Seas measures 1,188 feet long and is 210 feet wide. The ship has 18 decks, <laughs> one of them on top, and the capacity of accommodating 6,988 passengers and 2,300 crew members. But let's hear it for the Mayflower. One of the games we played here last week was darts. Now, as I watched the darts landing you know, every, everywhere except the target, I wondered how this whole circle uh, thing we're supposed to be throwing at came to be. Well... Historians agree that the development of darts as a game originated in England during the medieval era in the 1300s as a military pastime. The tale goes that between battles, bored soldiers would sit in the trenches and compete by throwing spearheads at the bottoms of upturned wine casks. 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 Oh, casks and wasps. What is it with me tonight? You guys try saying wasps and casks. Casks. Wasps. Let's just get back to it. After a while, soldiers moved on from hitting the bottom of upturned wine, upturned wine barrels <laughs> and started using cross-section tree trunks as targets. By this time, the game definitely needed a consistent set of rules in the tree trunks' natural structure allowed competitors to further demonstrate their skills by providing different sections on which to test their ability further. As it turns out, the tree trunk's own growth rings and the radial cracks offered the first template for the sections that would eventually appear on the sport's modern-day dartboards. Unless it's our house, then it's the couch, the walls, the pictures, and a cat or two. Alrighty, number eight. Uh, here's one for you. How did October get to become the patron month for beer? Why not do uh, April Fest or March Fest? <laughs> Well, I'm glad you asked, even if you didn't. Oktoberfest is the annual festival in Munich, Germany, and pretty much every other place in the entire world. It's held over a two-week period that ends, hear me, 
ends on the first Sunday in October. Not around here. The festival originated on October the 12th, 1810, in celebration of the marriage of Crown Prince of Bavaria, King Louis I, to Princess Therese von Sachsen Hildenberghausen. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to Bavaria. Let me try that again. Princess Therese von Sachsen Hildenberghausen. <laughs> We're going to go with that. The festival concluded five days later with a horse race, and the following year, the race was combined with a state agricultural fair, and in 1818, booths serving food and drink were added. By the late 20th century, the booths had developed into large beer halls made of plywood with indoor balconies and bandstands. Nowadays, each of the Munich brewers builds one of the temporary structures with seating capacities of some being 6,000. The mayor of Munich taps the first keg to open the festival, and the total beer consumption during Oktoberfest is upwards of 2 million gallons. Are you one of those people who regularly does a crossword puzzle? (laughs) I'm not. Um, I do Wordle. That doesn't even count for anything, but that's what I do. I don't do crossword puzzles, but if you are, here's some history for you. The first known published crossword puzzle was created by a journalist named Arthur Wynne from Liverpool. He's usually credited as the inventor of the popular word game. The first puzzle appeared in a Sunday newspaper called New York World on December 21st, 1913. Wynn's puzzle actually differed from today's crosswords in that it was diamond-shaped and contained no internal black squares. It appeared as only one of a various group of mental exercises, but it struck the fancy of the public. During the early 1920s, other newspapers picked up the newly discovered pastime, and within a decade, crossword puzzles were featured in almost all American newspapers. Ten years after its rebirth in the States, it crossed the Atlantic and reconquered Europe. You know, it's been said, I don't know, it's been said that the British puzzles quickly developed their own style, being considerably more difficult than the American variety. (laughs) Oh, sure. Just had to one-up us, didn't you? Just had to be a little bit more difficult. Oh, yeah? Well, we got Wordle. And the tenth bit of information you really didn't need to know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Let's uh, clear one thing up right now. Saltwater taffy. Now, if you don't know, it's a type of taffy that originated in Atlantic City, New Jersey, here in the United States. The recipe for saltwater taffy does not, hear me, you hear me, does not actually include salt water from the ocean. Now, the recipe usually does call for some salt and some water, as well as sugar, corn syrup, butter, cornstarch, flavoring, and coloring. After the mixture is cooked and then cooled, it's pulled and stretched in order to aerate the candy and make it softer. Now, if you've ever stood at a window of a saltwater taffy place and watching that stretching machine, I'm telling you, it's mesmerizing. You lose all sense of normalcy, right from wrong, up versus down, good versus evil, raiders versus chargers. You're standing there watching that machine, the arms pulling and stretching that taffy. And the next thing you know, your mom was grabbing you by the shoulder and pulling you away. So what about the name? Well, 
the taffy is said to have received its name after a boardwalk candy shop flooded with water from the Atlantic Ocean in 1883, soaking all of the taffy in salty seawater. Reportedly, the shop owner joked with a customer who came in to buy some candy, and he said all he had was saltwater taffy, and the name stuck. Hey, you uh, youngins out there, let me tell you a short little story. When we had to make a phone call, we had to stick our finger in this little round dial and then spin around for each number of a telephone number. The end. Oh my God. Does this sound familiar to anybody? But if any of you out there still have a rotary phone in some dusty old box in the attic, well, guess what? You can still make calls from it. The phone system that they used is still intact. So long as you can connect to it, the phone will work just fine. If you have a rotary phone that is not damaged, it should still be capable of working. The old rotary phones used simple circuits, microphones, speakerphones for all their functions. The old phone system that the rotary phones needed in order to connect calls is still in place. It's an international system that allows for calling across long and short distances around the world. It's just as simple as plugging a phone into a phone jack. If the phone jack is active and you have a phone service provider, dial freely. Just don't let your fingers slip out of the little hole. I hated that. And number 12. See, I told you I'd do it. Lastly, you want to feel swanky? Well, go to a hotel bar and order a highball. <laughs> Again, some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. The term comes from the Gatsby era all the way up through the late 1960s. Technically, a highball is a mixed alcoholic drink made with an alcoholic spirit and a larger proportion of a non-alcoholic mixer, often a carbonated beverage. A highball is typically served over ice in a large, straight-sided highball glass. The popular highballs of the era, and still are to this day, the gin and tonic, scotch and soda, and my favorite, the rum and coke. These are technically highballs. Though the highball began as a whiskey drink, it's now acceptable to use just about any liquor you'd like. So why highball? Well, what do you know? Nobody agrees. The most common belief is that it comes from the railroad. On American railroads, if a ball was raised on the signal post, the train could pass through without stopping. Now, if you want to extrapolate that out, the idea of getting somewhere fast inspired a cocktail that could be made and imbibed quickly. The term was also used in golf club bars in the 19th century in England, where ball referred to whiskey and it was served in a high glass. And that, my friends, is 12 one-minute topics. I told you I could do it. But first, what have we learned? Well, we learned that when the sun burns out, turn on the lights and grab a jacket. You've got about eight minutes. <laughs> we learned that Oktoberfest legitimately started in October as a wedding celebration and a horse race. The whole beer thing came later. And we learned that if a wasp stings you, the little bastard can pull out a stinger and do it all over again. Trust me. <laughs> That will do it for episode 98, but I remind you one more time, I will not have a podcast posted next Friday. I'm taking the week off to be with the granddaughters doing fun things there, but I'll be back on July 29th-ish. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go pour myself a rum and coke highball and then call somebody at my rotary phone. Klondike 56249. <laughs> That's going to do it for this edition. 
I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And all, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.